Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to actually respond to some listener mail. We have a, a conversation that has been requested of us to kind of talk about uh, what do you do if someone that you love, uh, in this case, an adult, an adult son or daughter, but mm-hmm. we'll talk about someone who's an adult, a young adult, who has no relationship with Jesus and or no interest in a relationship with Jesus and or they used to have a relationship with Jesus and now they don't. How do you, how can we participate in their lives to help inspire movement in that direction? Yeah, last week we talked about witnessing to friends. This one in particular, someone very close to you. So a child or mm-hmm. um, a sibling or um, someone with whose personal relationship with Jesus is very important to you. Yeah, and I think that this will if you if you have a friend who happens to love Jesus but you're also concerned about some other subject, they drink too much, they smoke too much weed, they do something and you're worried about them. The same uh principles could probably translate into that conversation as well. Sure. As always, we always start off with uh, story time or joke time and uh it is your turn today. So my story actually relates to our topic today. Um one of the things that's interesting to me is I, I ask people periodically, have, has anybody ever witnessed to you, like tried to share their faith with you or or help you discover faith? And I'm not talking about the Jehovah Witness guys who knock on your door and <laughs> mm-hmm. we're in the neighborhood trying to, uh, what do they say? We're in the neighborhood trying to um, inspire Bible reading or something. Hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever actually. You've never had a J-Dub come to your house or a, or a Mormon? Um, there were these guys at the old house, actually, um, who showed up a few times in these oh, long yeah. trench coats. They looked yeah. like mafia guys with <laughs> the top hats. They drove this old, nice car. Yeah, I remember that. And they kept coming when I wasn't home, which kind of made me nervous. Yeah, and they were like doomsday guys. I oh. think they might have been JWs, but they they specifically had pamphlets about the end times. Oh, very and interesting. It, yeah, and it was, it was like... The cover was like, have you ever thought about how it's all going to end? Okay, so take those guys off the table. I mean, like, has anybody ever just tried to witness to you one-on-one about faith? And so uh, I've only had it happen to me once in my lifetime, and uh, except for the guys who come to my door, which I've had a couple of those. But I was, uh, let's see, I was 16 years old. No, I was 15. Mm -hmm. 15 years old, I was selling shoes in the mall at this uh, shoe store. And um, it's it's a kind of early evening, and in walks uh, four women, and they appear to be two daughters, their mom and their grandma. Oh, three and, generations. Yes, and so they all walk in together, and I'm like, uh, "Hey, ladies, how's your evening? Good to see you." You know, mm-hmm. and, and they're like, "Yeah, we're just gonna look around." And the last one in is grandma, and so when she walks up to me, I said, "How you doing?" And this is this was the first words out of her mouth. Do you know Jesus as your personal savior? <laughs> and I was like, uh. <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am, I do. Which was not true. I I, I had I had no relationship with God sure. at this point in my life. Uh, I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And I ran to the back, and I got another salesman who was back there on a break. And I said, you're up. And I hid till they left. <laughs> and so that's that's uh, you know one tip on. 
how not to try to share your faith with someone. That's very funny. I've been curious because uh, I was never, I've never been um, sentient as a like as a human, like self aware. You know. As, okay, wait. Sentient. Yes, like like cognizant, like like beyond the age of six or seven, where you know things. You're a human being who, okay. who you know what death is, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Being self-aware of what I've, I've never been at that point and not been in the church. So when oh. you were 15 and she asked you that question, did you know what she was asking? I did because, um, in my particular family, my parents required us to go to church as kids until okay. our 12th birthday. And then you could just say, no. and then we could decide. And so they wouldn't go with us and they wouldn't take us. <laughs> What? So this was this was, this was my family. So no way. Yeah. So they wouldn't take us, and they wouldn't go with us. But we but we had to attend until our twelfth birthday. And so we, you know, in Texas, there's a church on every corner. So sure, we would either you know walk down to the Baptist or Methodist church. Those were typically the ones within walking distance, or mm-hmm. get on a bus ministry. And so uh, each of us by our twelfth birthday checked out. Now. My uh, my siblings, most mm-hmm. of them, the the two in front of me anyway, got baptized before they quit going. Hmm. And so as I was approaching, you know, this 12-year-old Mark, I remember the pastor of the church came to our house and uh, asked to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And so uh, my mom takes me in those front study area, this living space, and he's in there, and he's just hard selling me to give my life to Jesus. Sure. So this is happening more than once. Well, I forgot about this. And so, uh, and this is because I had attended the church, and I guess, you know, I went to Sunday school or something, and somehow he got my information. Mm. And so I kept waiting for my mom to rescue me from this uh, very aggressive uh, situation. Sure. And instead, she sat there. I think she was as hijacked as I was. And finally, he says, would you like to pray to receive Jesus? And I said, well, sure. I just wanted this guy to go right, home, you know, right. go away. I'll sign anything. Just get out of the exactly. house. <laughs> so we prayed together. And then he asked if I wanted to be baptized. And that's that was right at the time when I said, I'm out. And I quit. Sure. Um, so there was that. Um, then, I, then when I was in junior high, I forgot about this. I'm in the sixth or seventh grade. I think I'm in the seventh grade, mm-hmm. sixth grade. No, I was in the seventh grade, and there was a girl I really liked who was a big time into the Methodist church. Okay. And so she's like, hey, if you want to hang out with me, you got to go to church with me. One of those classic Methodist babes. Yes. And it was uh, it was dating evangelism. So she's going <laughs> to let me be her boyfriend if I'll go to church. Right. And so... <laughs> so... Uh, I start going to uh, MYF is what it was called, Methodist Youth Foundation. Okay. It was basically their youth ministry. Sure. And so we would go, and I think it, I believe it was on Sunday nights. Anyway, I only went like three times, and the third time I go, they're all all the youth are about to load up on a bus and go to youth camp, mm-hmm. and I'm not going. And the youth pastor says, "Okay, there's a he he had designated a closet." So that students who had to say goodbye to each other could go spend three minutes in the closet and make out before what they separated for camp. And this was a designated yes, spot? a designated makeout spot. And I remember scratching my head like I don't know God from anything, but I'm scratching my head going something about this just doesn't feel right. <laughs> 
That is crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess all of these stories are, you know, ways to push people away from church. Right. The, yeah. This is 10 ways to not get your yeah. kids to go to church. Yeah. So let's segue into our conversation. Well, well, I just, just, I'm dying here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First, well, what stopped you guys from just not going to church? To playing hooky, going to the gas station and buying a Slurpee and sitting on the. Oh, corner. I don't know. My parents were very authoritarian, and I think maybe they had a way of knowing. Hmm. I don't know. It never occurred to me. My siblings may have done that. It never occurred to me. I'm a very compliant. I was a compliant kid. So sure. you tell me the rules, I'll do it. And uh, but it was it was it was miserable. I but I did refuse to get baptized because my, my mom was like, "Are you going to get baptized? Your siblings did." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "No, it doesn't mean anything to me." Sure. And so I'm not going to do it. That seems like one of those things that from a young age you'd be able to be like, "Well, this is kind of bull crap, right? <laughs> I got to yeah. go to church and you don't." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just maybe that's just my snarkiness. But. Well, in those days, you know, my upbringing at least, kids are to be seen and not heard, and you do what yeah. you're told, and you don't you don't do as I do, you do as I say. I was probably allowed a lot more lip than you were. Oh but. man, if if my kids, I thought this many times. If my kid, if I had given my dad the lip that my kids have given me, <laughs> I would not have lived to see the to see my 18th birthday. That's a that's a fact. Okay, that's a fact, Jack. Well, I'm going to be enamored with this makeout closet thing <laughs> for the near future. But let's get on with the whatever we're with the, with the topic. This is like when you're watching the trailers before the movie, yeah, yeah. And one of them is so cool, and you don't even care about the movie anymore. <laughs> All right, okay. so, uh, so I do care deeply about this. I, I do too. So let's let's start maybe with this way of looking at this. Sure. What could you do to make sure that person never wants to know Jesus? Well, I think we just went over it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, really young kids is, is a thing that I feel completely blind on because I'm, I'm far enough away to not remember a ton of being that age. And I don't have kids of my own to witness them going through stuff like this. Um, so, so around that age, like you're talking, you know, like 10 to 12, um, to me, those years are almost, uh, futile, you know, like I have, I have more respect for, uh, youth pastors and, and children's pastors than a lot of people just because of the challenges of the work. But it's hard for me to imagine um, what you can do for a hormonal middle schooler who doesn't want to go to church. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what I can tell you. Well, there. let's raise the line though. I think we're sure. talking about adults. So yeah. let's talk about yeah. 19 to 25 year olds. Let's okay. Say, let's just kind of do that. 19 to 25 year olds. Um, and you've got a friend or a sibling or in this case of our of our listener, a, a son or a daughter, mm-hmm. and they're in that age bracket, nineteen to twenty five, and maybe they used to have a relationship with Jesus, or they just don't have an interest in one. Um, what comes to your mind on ways to help uh, create a thirst there, or help help try to move them towards curiosity at least? Yeah, probably. Um a lot of it is kind of how we talked last time about um, not always going for the sales pitch, mm-hmm. right? So you're, mm-hmm. you're there for the relationship, and then um, you you genuinely, you know, you're not there to, to make the sale. You're there to, you know, be in that relationship. And right. then um, critical chances arise and how you handle yourself and um, all of these things can kind of create opportunities to have those conversations. But... Um, with that age group, I think so with the, the newer generations, the, 
you you hear a lot about um, prolonged adolescence. So like mm-hmm. thirty is the new eighteen right, is like the right. joke, right? Like I mean, Gen X was was hyper independent, and they wanted you know they were driving when they were fifteen, and they were out of the house at eighteen. There was it was right. gone, and uh, you see less of that. But I still think there is this uh, value of independence, um, even if it is a kind of uh, like uh, bastardized independence where you still want them to, you still want your parents to pay your phone plan, right. but you want to have your own authority. So, um, you know, when a lot of, I'm seeing this a lot now where uh, families hold on to these rules, the under my roof, you go to church mm. past 18. And because kids, young because adults, they're living in the basement. Exactly. Or, yeah. And we're, and we're seeing a lot of people uh, still live with their parents past 18. And I don't know how much that helps anybody. So, um, I would say respecting that their choice. So even if you've had rules up to that point where if you're here, you go to church, if you're here, you like, you force them to give tithe, whatever it is, Mm. um, uh, letting go of those rules, um, I would say is pretty important, even if they are compliant, like I am and like you were. Yeah. So rules don't tend to build relationships. Exactly. So like you can't. Uh, like many, like we, we are, uh, many adult kids and their parents become good friends, but it's a little strange. I don't know if you can be good friends with a, with a, um, pre-adult child of yours. Like you can enjoy spending time together, obviously, right. but the, the dynamics are different. So I'm thinking about this idea, you know, you, 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 you hang, you anchored that whole thing in relationship that mm-hmm. be about the relationship. Right. And um, it occurs to me that sometimes people will feel like, well, you would like me more if I went to church. Sure. You might uh, reach out to me more if I went to church. You might act like you're proud of me more mm-hmm. if I went to church. And all of that feels like a conditional acceptance in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really a good insight, John, is to remove all conditions of the relationship. Now, it's an interesting question if my adult son wants to bring his girlfriend to my house for the weekend and share a bed with her in my house. Right. What do I do about that? Or if, uh, you know, if they want to smoke weed in your house, they're living in your house or they're, Mm -hmm. you know, those kind of things may be of a different sort, but, but what a person believes seems to be more of a, who I am. Yeah. I would say the difference there. Um, it's kind of semantics, but there's proactive rules and then there's, uh, I'm missing the word for the opposite of that, but there is react or, or preventative. Oh, so proactive is saying you must go to church. Preventative is you cannot do this. I see. So negative and positive. Yeah. So saying, um, you can't smoke in my car. That's, that's just an, a, that's just a, a respect thing for anybody. If I was friends with a guy who smoked So kind weed, of like requirements and prohibitions. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. So I think any relationship could have prohibitions, but, but having proactive requirements on an adult relationship is kind of, it's strange. It, it infringes on a type of autonomy. Yeah. So I think about the word control seems to come up here in my yeah. mind of any effort to exert control over a person is a relationship violation. Would you agree with that? Yeah. To adults, if, I, if I'm if i trying to control your behavior, then uh, it violates the boundaries of our relationship. Right, because the, the dynamics are different there. So so adult to kid, you have a responsibility to shape their, um, to control in a way their, their decision-making in their lives because they don't have uh, that capacity yet mm-hmm. to, to reliably do that. Um, 
And so even you could say to of a lot of young adults, they probably still shouldn't be making their own decisions. Uh, but they, they, they do, they are. And, and I think, uh, talking about, you know, X amount of ways to get people to not go to church. I think squeezing tighter is, is not, I don't, I don't, I can't name a, an example where that's worked and I can't imagine an example where that would work. Yeah. So the old saying, you know, if you love something, let it go. Mm-hmm. And if it returns to you, it was yours. But if it runs off, hunt it down and kill it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's how that goes. Uh, yeah, I think you you might have forgot the end there, but um, but but that notion of uh, don't control me, right. just accept me and love me. But I think the um, this kind of this is good advice short term and long. I think it's still good advice long term, but it gets frustrating long term where mm-hmm. you're not seeing fruits. It's you know you've been. Uh, in your kid's life for uh, their adult life for a decade. They're, you're going to the thirties. They have kids. They don't take their kids to church and you've been, you know, praying for them at that point. I don't, I have less to offer you just based off experience. What, what would you say about that situation? Well, I think the principles are going to be the same that, um, I, I was going to play a little game with you here. And before I give this answer, okay, it might be interesting to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. If, if given this scenario, that you have a an, an 18 to 25 or even say 30-year-old. You got an 18 to 30-year-old person, and you really, really, really want them to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And perhaps your concern is an eternal destiny apart from God. If they get hit by a bus or, you know, are they going to have an eternal destiny apart from God? Sure. And so um, tell me, John, the, the three biggest thoughts in your mind about if I wanted to help that person, if I was going to... If I were going to think strategically about how I could be an influence there or um, stimulate that outcome, what are the three biggest thoughts that come to your mind about that? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a you in that I don't quite know what you're asking here. Oh, okay. Uh, so if, so what would I say if I wanted to get so, through to somebody? Yeah. Well, let's say it this way. Let's let's assume that um, I'm your I'm your I'm your buddy mm-hmm. or your you know, sibling or something, and you're really concerned about my eternal destiny and you want me to know God. And you're thinking about, man, what can I do? Mm -hmm. How can I help that happen? What would be your primary strategies to help that happen? Um, the only one I can think of, uh, is a, so, so with, with guy to guy friendships, there's kind of this um, this cool guy exterior boundary a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. So there's like, obviously you guys care about each other, but you're not gonna you're not gonna you know break down in front of each other as much as you can. Um, so maybe a very intentional, serious conversation. Mm. Say, and and especially so when you get into this legalistic stuff with with parenting, you know, there's like these are the rules. Mm-hmm. Maybe a way around that would be to intentionally talk and say rules aside uh jesus has changed my life and i more than anything want that for you Mm -hmm. and kind of break it down and and give testimonies i know you and mom have had have stories by the bucket of uh times that god has come through for you and so really making it about how much you care about them not about rules or about the the game that's a great start so uh your your first idea is to have an honest um, 
emotional conversation to yeah. say, man, you matter so much to me that I want to have this conversation. Yeah, really make it about the love because that's what it should be about. In, yeah. Anyways. I'm really curious how you feel about God. This is what he's done in my life. Do you have any thoughts about where what you think about God? That kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Okay, that's that's really good, and uh, and it needs to be not about manipulating, control, right? It's, it is a accepting you more or less. It's purely about man. I love you so much, and this has been so meaningful to me. Yeah, that I want it for you. Yeah, and that's a you know. That's a, the facades come down. That That's a conversation I would be scared to have just because of oh, the, would you? well, because of the vulnerability involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just uncomfortable to me by merit of being vulnerable. So, um, yeah, but anyway, that's, that's the only one that can, that comes to my mind at the moment. And, um, let me ask it this way. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have a friend, you're a Christian, you have a friend who is uh, a Muslim and hmm. And he wants to persuade you to become a Muslim. What would your advice be to him about how to get you to consider Islam? <laughs> to get me to consider Islam? Um, that is a really great <laughs> question. That's a great empathy question. Yes, to, because to put that's, us in those that's shoes. Exactly, what, exactly what this person is reacting to. Right. You know, you're introducing something to them that's that they have decided at least at some level is of no interest to them. Uh, well, that at that point, that becomes, talk about the rhetorical approaches, there's the emotional approach and the logical approach. Yeah. That point, emotional is not going to do it for me. I would need you to come at me with more logical stuff at that point. So you'd have to... So if they told you of their Islamic religious experiences, mm-hmm. that would not be helpful to you? It might be, but, but it would be more about, um, I would have more questions about the consistency of their God in their holy book mm. because of how much that's where much, much of my faith comes from. That's where I, I can, I can see the the identity of God from page one to the last one, the thousandth and you know, whatever. Yeah. And so I would need them to kind of back it up a little bit because, because it's, it's two different two uh, um, uh, what's the term? They're contradictory, contradictory. They're, they're mutually exclusive. So, uh, since you're you're saying this because you're like a cerebral processor, uh, data knowledge, this logic, this I don't, stuff matters. I wouldn't to me. even say that I am, but I'm saying that them saying, um, you know, let me show you the that, history of this text right, that, and that, where it came from, and that would do more for me than saying my God changed my life because my answer is my God changed my life. You know, so right, so them right. saying that doesn't do for me what it could, and so that you know that occurs that, to me that you might be if you were a relational person. Mm-hmm. You might be concerned about, well, what does Islam think about women? You know, you guys want to cover them up where they can only well, see their eyes. And, and that's, know, that might be one of your issues. That's in the question of, of I want to know how consistent you, of how consistent the Quran is with, with, with its God mm-hmm. and um, how compatible, you know, because I don't know anything about it. So um, say, you know, in, in the Quran, they have all the, they have like extreme Sharia law every mm-hmm, now and again. Mm-hmm. And then now they say, yeah, but now we are all good with women. You know, I would need, I would just need more homework there. Right. And I don't even consider myself an especially cerebral numbers guy. It's just because, um, because you do have a belief system already. Exactly. You would need something to compare it to. Exactly. Okay. And so as I think about, um, this age bracket and religious thoughts, Mm -hmm. it occurs to me the things they care about might be 
um, historical accuracy, genocide in the past. Oh yeah, where the Bible came from. That's a great, great angle. I hadn't the the um, skepticism yeah. of my generation is pretty. It's really high. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where you know who can we trust the people who put this Bible together? Yeah, this seems to be a white man's religion, mm-hmm. or it, it's an American religion. So uh, those are going to all be factors as well in, when you're trying to have a witnessing or a faith sharing conversation. Totally. So uh, I guess there's the as we as we're processing this, there's the there's the 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 tactics of witness. Mm-hmm which could include testimony, um, historical accuracy, theological questions, cultural engagement. Yeah. Um, Those all seem to be really, really important. Um, Is there anything else that comes to your mind about somebody who would want to try to influence you in a certain direction? Well, I guess uh, not about that, but about about this generation. Um, In my head, it was... When you, when when thinking about uh, either a a lapsed Christ follower or someone who's never really had that relationship, mm-hmm. the person in my head for whatever reason was more apathetic than antagonistic. So I wasn't thinking of it strategically from uh, that point of view so much as trying to shake someone awake a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So let's shift to that because I think you, I think that's a great point. Let's assume that the person is not antagonistic or intellectually conflicted with the faith. Mm-hmm. They just don't care. Well, and that's what I was saying. That that, that my um, uh, bearing your heart and and having that conversation. I think that's for the person who doesn't care. Yeah. And the the antagonistic person, I I uh, would be more challenged by, um, because that's an apologetic conversation you're going to have. You're going to mm-hmm. have to do. You're going to have to play defense on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of that, the unfortunate. Reality to me, I know a lot of people don't feel this way about Christianity, but to me, it seems that um, you're going to reach a point in your faith where you're going to have to um, you're going to have to release your um, your desire to understand it all, and you're going to, you're going to have to rely on faith at some point mm-hmm. eventually. And so there's there's stuff that uh, you know there's uh, very many smart people who say that certain um, books written by Paul were not written by Paul, that they might've been forged by other Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you know, differences in, in manuscripts and there uh, volumes of things that could raise an eyebrow. And uh, at some point you will have to let go of those things because you, you will never be able to 100% say that you on logic alone Mm -hmm. um, can believe in the validity of, excuse me, of scripture and, and God. So um, because that's my stance, I have a harder time with the apologetic view. It took me a, sure. sorry, a, a roundabout way to get there. But, no, that's uh, helpful. So, yeah. so let's go back to this apathetic person. Sure. Who's probably just disengaged. They're not hostile to the faith or have, de- have calculated and determined it useless. They're just disengaged. Mm-hmm. And so your, your first impulse is man, maximize the relationship. Tell your stories, open up, be vulnerable, but really make it all about the relationship. Well, yeah. So very first is just is the the um, the monotonous relationship side where it's not you're not really you're not knocking their door down and telling your story. Right. right. That's just being their friend. Yeah. That's that's the first step, I'd say. Yeah. I've got two ideas. Yeah. Please. That, that come to my mind. Um, 
and they both have to do with how I would word the first one. And that is practice your faith well in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, um, when a, when a crisis arises, um, pray for them. In fact, I would say pray for them every single day. Hmm. And, um, this is a hard discipline, but, uh, man, pray for them every single day. Yeah. And then as they have needs in their lives, circle back to it, you know, a week later, Hey, how's that going? I've been praying about that. How has that turned out for you? And again, this is not to beat them. It's not to manipulate them. It's just to let them know, Hey, this is so integral to my life Mm -hmm. that if you're going to be in a relationship with me, this is a normal part of me. So I'm not turning anything on for you. I just, this is who I am. And I've been praying for you. And I've been thinking about that. And I've been asking God to help with that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really helpful. Um, I go ahead. Yeah. On that, on that point, uh, I think a specific challenge that parent child relationships may have with this and a similar way that, uh, spousal relationships have, if one spouse is kind of falling away or even just in, mm-hmm. in normal relationship where, um, both parties are more familiar with the other party's faults. So yeah, like your kid yeah. has seen you maybe do some Cut really dumb things. Out, yeah. Yell, scream, throw yeah. a fit, be, Hip- be afraid, be hypocritical. Exactly. Hypocritical yeah. stuff. So, uh, if you, you want to, you know, live by example, but you can't undo things in the past. How, how do you, what would you say? How do you navigate that? Well, I think, um, you know, sincere apology, acknowledgement of that, Rather than hope it just goes away and nobody mm-hmm. talks about it, it's better. I've had to eat a lot of crow with some of my kids sure. and just say, man, that was wrong. I didn't realize it at the time. I was doing the best I could, but that was wrong. And I'm really sorry. I hope you can forgive me for that. That goes a million miles. To have humility, to have an awareness that I don't always get things right. And even I'm walking by faith. Mm-hmm. I don't know everything, but I'm trusting and trying. I think that's, you know, really huge. Humility and transparency, authenticity is a big value. So I, I think those are huge. Gotcha. Now, um, I have one more thought, mm-hmm. and I want to save that for after our little commercial break. So sure. let's talk about um, our book giveaway and about uh, Patreon. Uh, we've decided to give away uh, a copy of our book, The Pursuit, to uh, somebody who emails us uh, before the end of September. And so um, The Pursuit is a book that we wrote uh, late last year. It came out in January of this year. It's a 40-day devotional about the essentials of faith. Um, Kind of a great tool thinking about introducing biblical Christianity to someone. It's a great Mm -hmm. gift to give them. It's a 40-day devotional that has scripture memories for each week, discussion questions, uh, but it's a really nice spiral bound uh, journal type of a of a book, and um, we really want to hear from our listeners. And so, any listener that sends us an email, info at jimandjohn.com, no mm-hmm. H in the John, um, we will put all those names in a hat and draw out a winner who gets that book for free. Yeah, that's that's the the book giveaway. The pursuit normally the the one we're giving away. There were two versions. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that you could do print on demand from Amazon or this really nice spiral bound one. We've got those. Uh, we normally charge fourteen ninety nine, and and they're fourteen ninety nine for the print on demand on Amazon. And it the quality comparison is just no comparison. Yeah, 
So there's yeah. that. Uh, and also, uh, we really, feedback is number one. If oh, you could, huge, yeah. Even without the the book incentive, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, Number, both the you know what the podcast is doing for you, topics yeah. you'd like to hear us discuss in the future, um, any advice you have on how to make it better. You know, we'd love all that. Yeah, and second to that is uh, if you uh, have interest in uh, supporting our personal goals and kind of joining us as a team. We call it the upstream team because it rhymes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then uh, we would love if you would check out uh, on our website, there's a little orange button for uh, patreon.com mm-hmm. and it is a uh, crowdfunding tool where you pledge a certain amount of money a month down to $1 a month. Uh, and there are perks on there. I think uh, the uh, $20 tier, if you give 20 a month, you get a free copy of the pursuit anyway, but that's uh, the whole point of it is to uh, partner with us, partner with us and support the in this mission. The mission. So, uh, um, yeah, if you do give $1 a month, you get this podcast three days early on Friday instead mm-hmm, of Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really it is, um, it is joining us on this, this mission. We have a, yeah, a we, place really, we want to see this go. We want to see this go somewhere. We want to write more books. We want to get more content developed. And, um, as we increase the revenue stream to the ministry there, it'll increase the amount of hours that you in particular, John can devote to content creation, editing, and production. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's so, the spiel. Yeah. So uh, here's my, my last thought. And um, I, I think this, man, we serve a supernatural God. Hmm. And God wants this person you love to find their way to him more than you even do, if you can imagine that. And so uh, I would really lean into the supernatural I would uh, ask God to prepare their hearts, to speak to their minds, to create opportunities for the right conversation to occur, to uh, be miraculous when they have a time of need, like when I cry out to God for a need they have, to actually heal their body, uh, meet a need, uh, provide for them in a miraculous way so that he's revealing himself to them and uh, and just believe uh, supernaturally, I one of the things I do is I pray a hedge of protection around my kids, that people who would be destructive to them or who would hurt them, that they would they would be repelled uh, away from my kids. I just think that there's a supernatural component to this that we should lean on. Sure. I, I have said uh, to parents who have a rebellious teenager, you know, sometimes you you have that teenager who just um, is uh, in a rage. Uh, disobedient, disrespectful, wild, crazy, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have said, uh, if that kid never wakes up in the middle of the night and finds you on their floor crying out to God on their behalf, then you're not trying hard enough. Uh, because I believe that God answers prayer. And so I think there's a supernatural component we should lean into and trust God for their um, for their redemption. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's great because that is talking about being proactive. Um, if all else fails, that's something you could always do. Absolutely. And that's not a small thing. You know, one of the things we'll say is, well, right. we've tried everything. I guess all we can do now is yeah. pray. That was the wrong word. At <laughs> and in reality, that should be our first line of uh, connection and, and effort. So, uh, I don't know, John, you feel like we've kind of answered this question at all to be in a helpful way. Do you have something you, you either a primary takeaway or something you'd like to add to this notion of helping someone um, 
have an appetite toward spiritual things. Yeah. Well, the, the tough thing here is that, uh, is that the, the, the obstacle is that we are so close to these people. Mm-hmm. So when, um, uh, Paul and the, the apostles, you know, they, they tell the gospel at a town, the town rejects them and they shake the dust off their feet and, and move to the next and town. move to the next one. And they, and they praise and they're, they're joyous on the way because they, uh, they trust God. And, uh, and it is, it is, you can trust God and it is that simple in a way, but when you are this attached, mm-hmm. uh, it's not that simple. So, um, really, I guess that's, that's what I, I want to say that it's just no amount of podcasts is going to make this that cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Um, though I really do hope we've, that we've helped. And I do believe my takeaway is that, um, prayer is completely underutilized mm-hmm. and completely, um, underestimated underestimated yeah yeah so i think that um as i as i listen to you say that back to me Mm -hmm. um the thing that actually emerged to the surface as i think maybe the most important thing yeah is authenticity and transparency and humility um it's 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 really important to be to practice your faith in front of this person you love but it's also critical that you do that authentically. Yeah. That it not be fake, that it not be manipulative, that it not be pressure, that it just be honest and transparent. And I think you can't overemphasize humility and authenticity in the relationship. And I do think that there are things you're going to want to do that you shouldn't do. There's things you're going to want to say, there's pressure you're going to want to apply. There's uh, rewards you're going to want to offer. <laughs> you know, hey, your kid needs to borrow $300. Well, if you'll go to church with me for three times, I'll give you 300 bucks. Yeah. You know, you need to avoid all of that stuff. Avoid that like crazy. You're going to be wanting to do things you should not do. And you need to avoid those and trust both the, uh, the process of your friend or daughter or son mm-hmm. and trust the supernatural process of God. That he is sovereign and he's at he's on the job, so uh, you don't need to manipulate. You don't need to do those weird things. I think that would be my biggest takeaway: is to is that humility, authenticity, and that supernatural trust in God. Yeah. So then, would you say like, I mean, just because you're you know older and wiser doesn't mean you don't mess up still. So mm-hmm. say, um, you know, uh, this uh, kid's parents. You know the 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 church going parents uh, are are getting a divorce for some reason, mm-hmm. and um, uh, regardless of reason, you know you still want your kid to find his way, his or her way back to, you know, to God. How do you navigate something that that is that that, that is that morally kind of um, complicated and still be authentic to your kid and still say, hey, I'm still a Christ follower. I still want you to come to church. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? How do you navigating a moral crisis like that and still being authentic? Well, you got to tell the truth. I mean, authenticity is to tell the truth. And so the, uh, the truth would be, uh, the marriage wasn't working. Maybe mm-hmm. it's my fault. You know, um, I, I didn't stick to my vow, uh, whatever the truth is, um, within the limits that you can, um, with integrity, share it. But you you got to tell the truth. Authenticity is to tell just tell the truth. 
Gotcha. And that I think that goes a, a million miles is to is to be a truth teller. That's awesome. I so really I was uh, I was thinking yeah, of something, yeah. John. One more one last thing. And, you got it. Um, I would love your feedback on this part. So this is really personal to our family. Okay. Um, as you know, um, you have siblings who don't care to attend church. Mm-hmm. And um, I have walked this road now for a long time. How do I get my kids to be interested in the things of God? Not just church attendance, but you know, picking up their Bible or talking to God in prayer. And my kids pray. Um, all of them do. But um, just having this, and it hit me, I'm surprised this didn't come to my mind earlier in this conversation. Mm -hmm. It hit me that I can just start um, offering them goodness rather than criticizing the absence of that goodness in their life. Or rather than applying any pressure on them, I could just give them exposure. So I started this thing with the... uh, Marco Polo, and I did the word of the day. <clears throat> and for, man, for I think 31 straight days, I would shoot a little Marco Polo video every day. Hey, everybody, love you. It's just to our kids and, and family. Mm-hmm. Um, love you. Here, you know, I'm on my way to work or whatever. This is the weather here. Hope you're doing great. And here's the word of the day. And I would do this little word of the day with uh, almost always a spiritual principle woven into the word of the day mm-hmm. and it was a way for me what what hit me was i can disciple my kids even if they think they have no interest in faith sure if i do that in a way that speaks directly to something they might be going through and and how god could be a help there or a principle that god teaches us that helps us in that situation now i quit doing that and i got to tell you when i started doing it i felt so good about it Mm-hmm. And then I realized, you know, at least one of my kids, uh, at day 30, there were 17 straight that they had missed. And I realized my kids aren't watching this. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them were. I was watching every day. Or yeah. I would catch up every, you know, every other day. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure that particular tool or that particular process is a great one. But the point remains the same. You can disciple another person, even if they have no interest in faith, because what you're doing is you're speaking to the real issues of the day in real time Mm -hmm. from the perspective of a Christ follower and offering the wisdom of God from his word without quoting it. You know, God says you don't have to do that. Um, For example, um, uh, where words are many, sin is not absent, you know. So you get in an argument. You, you, somebody, this person you love is telling you about an argument they got into. And you can just say, you know, sometimes I've learned that it's better just to keep my mouth shut. And the one who says the fewest words actually will come out on top. Or I've learned that we kind of reap what we sow. And uh, it's really important that if you can reap goodness and reap, uh, I mean, sow goodness and sow love, mm-hmm. you will reap a reward at the end. Life, some people call that karma, but um, God calls it sowing and reaping. But just to weave this discipleship into the relationship, even though they have no articulated interest in faith. Yeah, that's great. I think that is uh, that's saying in, like instead of when you're trying to be not overbearing about things, allowing yourself to still talk about you know truth, 
Bible truth things, mm-hmm. gospel truth things. So you're not saying you're not limiting yourself and saying, "Well, I can't talk about the Bible or Bible concepts because they'll think I'm, you know, uh, beating them, them over the head with it." Yeah, and like you said, there's a wrong way to do it, mm-hmm. or a, a possibly less effective way to do it, where you're sending them the you know Bible app verse of the day every day, saying you know praying for you, then you do the praying emoji, the Bible emoji, right? The, yeah, that's you know, the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a turnoff. Like every single day. But but uh, but the other one, like we were talking about, uh, showing, putting all of the emphasis on affection and, and how much you love these people. Mm-hmm. That other one, you can really show that. Yeah. Um, I, I was praying for my kids one day. This is what started the whole Marco Polo thing. I was praying for my kids one day and I said, Lord, send them someone who can disciple them. And I felt like the Lord said, well, that's what I raised you up for. Hmm. And that's when I realized I can do, I can contribute to this. Yeah. And I can contribute to it in a way that is not um, confrontational. It's not uh, bringing things to a conflict. It's not um, manipulative. It's just genuine um, concern and love and wisdom and advice and blah, 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 you know, for their good. Yeah. And so I think that's... um, done with humility and done with authentic love and honesty is a really powerful thing over time. Yeah. And time is the thing that we're all nervous about. Well, I don't know how much time I have, but man, time is your friend. It will play in your favor. Consistency over time is probably a really powerful thing. Yeah. And even for the, for the um, parental relationship specifically, even after you're gone, what you, you know, you'll still be effective in your memory and how you, mm-hmm how you treated them uh, in their adult lives um, and God working through them still after you're gone. So it's not, the pressure is not on you. The whole, the reason that the disciples rejoiced when they shook off the sandals, not because God was about to smile. Exactly. It was because they trusted him to, to take care of the rest since they've done their job. That's a great uh, point. Yeah. That's a great point. All right. Well, listen, uh, we are really grateful for you listening to our podcast. We'd love it if you would hit the subscribe button on whatever uh, provider you use for podcasts. Yeah, please. And uh, check us out at jimandjohn.com, J-I-M-A-N-D-J-O-N.com. Yeah, and on there you can find our social media links. We are most active on Instagram, if you have an Instagram, uh, at jimandjohn. I don't know if there's an at. I think I do this every episode. I th- at is Twitter. That's yeah. a Twitter thing. Well, you can find us with the profile, Jim and John. <laughs> <laughs> We're really technical savvy. Yeah, we? we are. But, uh, yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Have a great day. 